Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. And we're live. Very exciting. Very exciting. Everyone, I can't wait to introduce you to the guest today, a marketing leader. She's a digital strategist and, in my opinion, the magician behind the success at Content Marketing World, which, by the way, is coming up, and we're going to talk about it, and we're talking about content and all sorts of things, the VP of Marketing at the Content Marketing Institute, Kathy McPhillips. How are you? I am great. How are you? I'm excited. I'm so glad to, to chat with you. I was telling people in the office that, that I can't wait to really smash some myths and talk about content and content strategy and, and content and advertising and, and just kind of get to what it really is because you're in the, the senior marketing position. You're at the Content Marketing Institute. This is like two asteroids colliding right now. <laughs> yes. I, I market to marketers about marketing. So that's a lot of, a lot of marketing going on. Yeah. And you write content for content mar- marketing about content. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> it's all right. love. Right. So what I want to do here is pass you this. It's kind of heavy. Let me just use two hands. There you go. That is Thor's hammer. Go ahead and take that. Okay. Smash for me um, a myth, a myth, bogus marketing strategy, you know, misconceptions maybe you hear all the time. They just drive you crazy. Well, the first myth, to go back for a second, is that I'm the magician of content marketing world. And there are 20 plus of us that run that event. So I might be the loudest, but I am certainly not the the magician. There are a lot of us. One Um, of the magicians then. One of the magicians. I'll take take that. I'll take that. Um, Probably one of the myths that I would like to smash is that content marketing is marketing or that marketing is content marketing. And there certainly is tons of overlap. But, you know, there's advertising, there's paid paid advertising, there's product management, there's all these different product marketing, there's all these different things. And content marketing is just one segment of that. Our brands getting really good at content marketing and talking more about their customers and less about themselves? Absolutely. Yeah. But is it, the, is it the end all be all, the only way to do marketing? Absolutely not. So it's not the same thing. So content marketing is not the same thing as marketing. It's just one Is general marketing? No, it's just one facet. Okay. Got it. Are pe- people get that confused? How they just kind of are they zeroing in? Are they getting a little too zealous about it? Or, well, I think a lot of. I mean, I think the good side of that is that a lot of companies are leaning toward content marketing, marketing a lot more, and yeah. investing money in content marketing as maybe their one of their main sources of marketing versus, you know, years ago when they were spending all their money on paid advertising, pushing content, pushing ads to their customers, talking all about themselves. And then there is definitely a shift. So are we, are we moving more in that direction? Sure. But are, is that the only way to do marketing? No. There's tons of ways to do marketing. Right. So the good side is they're, in, they're actually investing. And finally, we're getting more content now. Yes. It's, it's like finally got yes. the momentum where we're getting some juicy details and not just some lame content. We're getting good, valuable, helpful resources. The bad side is maybe we're just focusing too much on that. And then, what, no one's reading it? <laughs> is that, is well, that there's the a lot of content out there. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, this is – you know, this will fix things. Let's just put, publish blog posts every day or post on social every day. And without a strategy, that's not going to be successful either. Yeah, that's a good point. You got to start with strategy, right? You can't just you know, shoot from the hip, write, write the article from the hip and then hope that, you know, if you build it, they and will come. cross your fingers and yes, yeah. exactly. You know, I, I once um, was working with a company and they were like an accounting company and 
they were sharing with me, we were on site, you know, big conference room, and they were sharing with me this really cool content piece they had created. And they were bragging that they had hired an attorney in New York City who was $1,000 an hour to write this thing. And it was so oh, I'll like, do that for $1,000 an hour. I know. I, I would too. I was like, I'm in the wrong job. Like, right. this guy's getting more to write the white paper than I'm getting for this on-site right now. Yeah. Um, and so, but 27 pages long, I was like, what is this guy's word per minute? Like, even if he was typing furiously, this guy made some bank on this thing. Right. So I was really excited. And I asked him like, well, what problem did this content solve for your buyer? Tell me about this thing. And all the heads went down and no one, you know, oh, no. yeah, they realized they hadn't thought of that at all. To your point, no strategy. They just had some guy write this thing and spend that budget. And then there was really no purpose to it. And later on about the company's capabilities or what was the point of it? It was like a legal piece and it was, it was associated with some of the things in their, in their neighborhood, in their, in their industry, but it wasn't, there wasn't specific goals to it. Right. Uh, they were able to chop out some pages later on and say, okay, let's make this the page for that particular topic. And so you're able sure. to repurpose it, but not, you know, 27,000 plus dollars worth. Not after the first investment. Yeah. yeah okay, so shooting from the hip is a, is a problem then. Um, if there are a lot of companies doing it really well, but there are just as many doing it not so well. So that, okay. you know, they're looking for that quick fix and, and hack. You know, I don't like the word hack. You're, there's no shortcuts to any of this. Um, so I think people just need to focus on, I mean, we're kind of getting to that point now because content marketing has been around, been a thing, you know, for a number of years and we're kind of seeing this great divide between people that know, know it, understand it and are doing it well. And those that are just trying to, to do it quickly. You're right. It has been around for a while. Um, do you, th what, what's the adoption like you think? And you would know this from what the, you know, the ecosystem you see, I, it, there's a lot of companies doing it right. Is it like 80, 20 or what? What do you think? As far as doing it versus doing it right? Yeah. You know, I don't have the stats in front of me and I should have sure. prepared that. But in our annual research, you know, in, at least two thirds of companies are doing content marketing and most of them that are doing it think they're doing it very well. Right. At least our customers that are answering our survey. Well, they think they're doing it right. <laughs> well, I guess right. if, if they're answering your survey, they're probably receiving your content and probably learning from it. So sure, sure. They're, probably, they're probably a little safer to gamble with. But uh, right. everyone else, though, um, yeah, I, I wonder. I, yeah, it's, it's nothing new. It's not, it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. It's not like they teach it in school, though. So you, you still, all the new marketers coming up need to learn the ins and outs of content. It is interesting. We're actually working with Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, my alma mater. Really? Oh, and cool. we're doing a program with them as like a trial run to make content marketing part of, we're do, using our university program, putting it more at a college level for some of the seniors right. where they can kind of go through our course and they don't, they're not going to be certified in content marketing, but they will receive a certification saying that I've completed this. We want to see if it's, it, could it be a thing? Could it, could schools really be looking at this being the next thing? And there's tons of people, um, Nate Riggs, Mark Schaefer, there are a number of people that are, that are teaching it as classes, but it's not a major yet. Um, and I know a lot of, you know, Kent State, I go to sometimes and I talk to those students about content marketing. And it's so nice right now because when I was in school as a journalism major and there was a PR track and an advertising track and all these different things, but now it's so integrated that if someone's learning PR, they're really learning a lot more than just their little bubble. And their little right. niche that they're understanding what, what they're doing, how it impacts all of the communications for the company. Well, that's uh, pretty forward-looking from the universities and the colleges. I'm usually pretty uh, 
cynical about education and colleges and being light years behind. We once had a, an intern who started here and uh, hadn't heard of any of the things we talk about, right? So I was like, okay, well, begin the education and, uh, and had to catch them up after coming you know, from a marketing degree. Uh, but I'm glad to hear that some yeah. of these schools are actually getting in the loop. I mean, that's so much, that's so much value to the students to actually hear things they would need to hear. I mean, I would just say drop out of school and go to content marketing world, you know, like that's, <laughs> but that's me. So they can, they can come, but don't drop out of school. Right. Right. All the parents are like, I, I can't have my kids listen to this podcast anymore. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so cool. Very cool. You know, I guess my question then, you know, it's not all of marketing. So let's start with, um, overall then what what would you say your approach to marketing so we're gonna we'll get to content marketing as a subset but just as a marketing leader you know you happen to be at the, the content marketing institute but in any organization what's your take on you know you come in how do you look at the whole ecosystem of all the things you need to do in marketing how do you prioritize how do you figure out what to tackle first well my two biggest marketing goals are to get email subscribers and to get event attendees to content marketing world or any of our other in-person events. So anything I'm doing goes through that lens. You know, it's either a direct, you know, we're advertising, we're doing content strictly around the event or we're putting out some things to get people to subscribe. We're doing white papers and eBooks where if they download it, they end up subscribing to our newsletter. Um, but there's a lot in between, you know, we can't expect someone to hear about CMI, hear about content marketing world and drop a thousand dollars. You know, we have to get, we have to nurture that. We have to get them to understand what we're doing, find us valuable and relevant and helpful to them. And then when they're like, okay, I want to do some continuing ed this year. I have this budget. I'm going to go to Cleveland because I, they know what I need and, um, and I know I'll get value in what they're doing. So those are the kind, that's what I worry about every day or what I think about every day when I'm looking at right. our marketing mix, trying to make sure that what we're doing is we're, we're moving in that direction. Got it. So you've got these goals in mind. So you're, you're starting with the goals and using that to, I like the word use the lens, it colors everything that you're looking at. So these are my two priorities. Are the things I'm doing assisting with that? If they are, great. If they're not, let's not do them and let's focus on what does. Right. And there's a lot of things we do that, you know, don't, that's very indirect, you know, are very indirectly getting them to, to take one more step with us. Um, you know, helping people figure out what sessions are going to do a content marketing world or talking to on our Twitter chats to guests about or our contribute or um, participants about what they're working on right now. Mm. And I think just us listening and going back to our editorial team saying, you know, the chat talked a lot about, you know, our chat today was about ROI, but we got off on this tangent talking about something else. Is that something we should be writing about on the blog? Because it seems like there's a need for that right now. So that's not a direct, you know, we're not, we're not going to see the impact from content marketing world from that. But if we can get them to read the blog post, open up one more email from us, you know, we know that if someone takes three actions with us, whether it's a white paper download, a webinar attendant attendance or something else, they're 10 times more likely to come to our event. So we just want to make sure that we're being valuable to them. Well, if they take three actions or so of different kinds of shapes and sizes, they're 10 times more likely to come to an event. Yeah, that was a fun project. <laughs> How did you figure that out? It's just a lot of data. A lot yeah, of we have. I, we've got a good team and a lot of help. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see the candles with the wax dripping down and almost to the the bottom of the candle, and someone's in a layer. <laughs> that out. That's cool. So then your goal, then to your point, first getting people to subscribe, and then you want to have them engage with three of your best 
content pieces, three of your best type of engagements. Sure. Because you know that those three will get them into that other category. That's really And cool. with their email address, they're getting the webinar um, notifications to sign up. They're getting the eBooks. They're getting the blog posts. So once we have their email address, it's that much easier. Right. Um, what we've been doing over the past two years is really focusing on making sure, you know, most of our points of entry from an email standpoint, you get a pop-up saying enter your email address and we'll send you a white paper and then you'll be subscribed or enter your first name and your email address. So when they enter, we really don't know a lot about them. Oh, yeah. We've spent a lot of time over the past 24 months. John Hansen, who I work with, has made it such a priority for him where he's going in and we're, you know, we're looking at geography and we know if there's six things we know about them. First name, last name, email, obviously we have company, job title, and location that we can then segment out what we're sending them and make, make it so much more valuable to them and what they're receiving from us. So we've been doing a lot of data cleanup, a lot of remediation and things like that, just to make sure that we're being valuable to our customers and we protect that data like you wouldn't believe. Like even so many people on our team don't get access to it. Really? So like, can you send me an email address? And I'm like, nope. Um, I can reach out to them for you or we can do something that way, but we're really protective of, of our customers' data. For sure. I mean, especially if you're investing all this money to acquire people, that's, that's the gold mine right there is that right. list of, of marketers and those that are interested in content. So interesting. So you know certain things about them, first name, last name, email, but like job title, like location, those are the things you're keying off of in terms of what kind of, con what kind of content, what kind of emails, what kind of nurturing should we send? Definitely those you know, demographics, but we also, um, we have so much data, you know, we have almost sometimes too much data, but we have our webinar, you know, we know who attends our webinars and we know wow. the topic of the webinar. We know which blog post they read and which, what the category of that blog post is. We even know what sessions they attend at Content Marketing World. So we can right. kind of figure out this, um, uh, what's it called? Implied interest, you know, that if we know that they've attended all those things that maybe they are in manufacturing or they really are working on data analytics, and let's make sure we're sending them the right message. And would you call that implied interest? Oh, implied. Implied interest. Implied. That's. And I learned that from John. That's not something that I, that I knew before I was working with him. That's, that's okay. I'm mean, surrounding yourself with the smartest people, right? right? That's, right. that's why I'm here. And that's why you're here. <laughs> so I can <laughs> learn from you. That's fantastic. Okay. Interesting though, that you connect their sessions um, with understanding what to send them later. I mean, it's almost like that physical that physical information, physical data that's then translated into later on having this communication. That's really cool. I think a lot of people don't bridge that gap. They're either stuck in the computer or there's the on-site stuff, but they don't really ever talk. And sometimes there's, there's hiccups. You know, some, we, we sure. might send someone something saying, we see you're interested in writing. And they say, no, we just wanted to hear Ann Hanley. We didn't, we just, so there's things <laughs> Who like doesn't, that. Right? <laughs> exactly. So, you know, we just need to make sure that we try to make sure if it's not just one action, that maybe it's, three times they've done something related to writing before we, before we send them something, you know? Right. But you're really creating a, like a very strong personalization by doing that. And it yeah. sounds super organized, like we're really on the ball and we're learning as we're going along. So it's not, it's not perfect, but we're trying. No worries. It's probably more perfect than, you know, some people listening, like inspired, like, Hmm, how could, how could I use different types of interactions and data sources and, and activities and that implied interest of what people are doing. Very cool. Very cool. So that's the segmentation and you have the data from there. And then you just tying it back to those goals. You just approach it. You know, what are the different things that are going to get me more subscribers or going to get more people to attend the events? You right. kind of approach it from that. That's, yep. that's really cool. 
That is really cool. How, how then, like diving into then content, what's your, what's your take on content and, and how do you approach it? Knowing that your organization's constantly teaching about it. Right. Well, I'm not on the editorial team, so I can't speak for them, but you know, a lot of the things we're doing, we try to make sure that we have, I think seven or eight categories on our blog. So, you know, okay. like I, I keep going back to like ROI, analytics, writing, strategy, things like that, that any blog post we're, we are writing or our team is writing, you know, is put into a category. Right. And then we can look at, we can talk editorial saying, you know, we don't want to cover content strategy five days in a row because who will, who will we lose if they're not interested in that? Or mm. if we only write about analytics or something like that. Um, but, you know, I work with the editorial team saying if you're, if any of our speakers contribute to the blog, can the call to action be come see them at content marketing world? Yes. Um, things like that. So we're doing a lot of bridging gaps between what they're doing and making sure that we can move them, keep moving them in, in the direction or at least informing them, making them more knowledgeable about, about the event. And, um, and even, you know, something like they're participating in a webinar or they're a guest on our Twitter chat or things like that, that we just want to make sure that we're providing more value to our customers that way. Right. So, and we are, you know, I do write on the blog occasionally, but it's not really my specialty. I'm, right. I'm heavily edited by our editorial team. <laughs> Me too, I'm but, sure. Uh, but it is nice to, um, and one thing I'm really working on this year is getting our team more involved in the, in the blog. So John, who I mentioned in audience development, he's a, just a wealth of knowledge, but he really doesn't love to write. But our editorial team can interview him and ask him the right questions that then turn into a blog post. And Mo Wagner, who runs our community, She's been doing a lot more because, you know, we're learning that some of the blog posts that we're writing about things that we're trying to do are really helpful to our, to our audience because they're like, oh, we're trying to do that too. Or right. we ran into that same hiccup and I love to see how you solved it. So, right. you know, real life examples that we're able to get out there make us, you know, one, it makes us more human. It makes people say, okay, it is this big brand trying to, you know, get us to come to their event, but really they're, we're in the same boat. So I really can learn a lot from each other just as industry peers. Yeah. And that kind of content, that kind of honest and transparent communication, it's so real, right? It, it, and I think we can sniff out fake content and showy, flashy, you know, the radio voice kind of thing. And right. we're listening for real life examples. So nothing's more intriguing than, than reading about how, hey, we're struggling with this too. And this is how we're approaching it and learn, learn as we learn. Right. And we're finding examples. You know, we certainly know that we aren't the end all be all when it comes to content marketing that you know a lot of the people on our blog are writing you kind of are i yeah we, we like we like we, 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 we like to say that we're good at what we do but sure. you know there certainly I'll are a lot of other voices that, are. the bees that, knees when it comes to content. <laughs> but a lot of our writers come from big brands come from other sure. agencies um our speakers come from big brands and are willing to share their story which i think is amazing you know that someone can come stand on a stage in front of hundreds of people in a breakout session and say, here's exactly what we did with this challenge. Here's how we overcame it. Here's the technology we use. And for someone to sit in that session and go back to work on the following Monday and say, I actually could do that. Mm. That's pretty cool. That you know, we, cool. We very rarely have um, speakers who, who aren't completely forthcoming with, because the thing is, is that, you know, you might get up on stage and talk about something that you did, but it takes a person to actually say, I'm going to do that and I'm going to implement what they did. So it is really nice. Where was I going with that? That, you know, we reach out to so many other folks for our blog, for our content, sure. just to make sure we're bringing in the whole industry. You know, um, a lot of our crowdsourced blog posts leading up to the event are all of our speakers. 
sending in submissions, just right. not only talk about their sessions. I mean, there is some promotional play to it that we want people to read the thing and say, oh my gosh, I need to go to the event because these people are, are there. But when they're giving trips, tricks and tips and things, um, it's, just, it's just so nice for our readers. Yeah, the vulnerability of storytelling is, is really nothing, nothing compared to it. Do you? There was a blog post uh, last yeah. week about um, the worst advice they've ever received. They've they've ever received. Really? And it was really, yeah, and it was pretty. It was a pretty cool post that got a it got a lot of traction and a lot of uh, comments on the blog, comments on social, saying, "Oh my gosh, I got that advice." Or listen, listen to what I got heard. You know, what's <laughs> what my first boss told me, or something like that. So. Was it just like career advice or content advice or both? Both. Yeah. I'm sure that was a, that could be a long post. I'm sure the editing <laughs> was the hardest was, part. Like, it was a good one. <laughs> received a lot of bad advice over the years. Right. Uh, do you, do you see much or much conversations around storytelling and, and how story impacts content? Oh, definitely. We have a whole track at the event about oh, wow. storytelling. Um, and there's such a way to do it that, you know, just the voice, the tone, the message you're trying to send, or you can see if it's authentic. You know, you know, yeah. if someone's just writing a story to, to tell a story with the end action of wanting to sell a product or service um, versus I really want to get to know you. I want you to get to know me. And, uh, you know, Anne's really good at obviously doing that. And quite a few of our speakers have just really mastered that. And it's great to hear their take on their approach. And, you know, Jay Kunzo, I love listening to his podcast and he's, just tells the, the stories about how, how to come up with the stories and what's your story to tell. And don't, it shouldn't be that hard. If you have to think that hard about telling a story, maybe it's not the right story to tell. Yeah. It, it may not have enough, you know, emotional anchors in you that right. you don't really want. Yeah. That's why when we talk about the myths, you know, you, you smash something that you encounter every day. So I, you, the worst thing you could do is have someone come and smash a myth, myth they heard you know right right wow i heard about this myth. should we smash that i'm like uh, you don't care about it as much it's not your thing and but to your point jay i mean he's a he's a master storyteller yes um in a, in a young man's body and then uh <laughs> also you know the showrunner extraordinaire so, yes um yes. he's a cool guy for sure that's neat so there's a whole track at the event now we should uh, we should probably just pause and just throw out some of the event details so it's coming up sure. What is it? When is it? What's the link for it? So we can get that out for people. Well, this is lovely. It's Content Marketing World, uh, contentmarketingworld.com, September 3rd through the 6th in Cleveland, Ohio, my hometown. And there might be about 4,000 attendees from all over the world. Last year, we had over 60 countries represented, which was amazing. And 60 countries? Um, yeah, it was pretty wow. cool. Some I've never heard of, which is kind of embarrassing to say. Yeah, you're but, like, that's a country? <laughs> right, right. Most I've heard of. Um, so yeah, it's just, and the way, the, what I like about the event um, is that it's 4,000 people, the convention center is packed, wow. but because we have 14 concurrent tracks each day, we could really make the in experience individual for each of our attendees. You know, we can say, if you're in this niche within your company, you know, here's the sessions you should attend. If you're a beginner, here's what you should attend. Huh. Um, and we have lengthened some of our networking breaks because some of our attendees have said, I love sitting through sessions and learning, but I really like coming to Cleveland to see someone I haven't seen in a year or someone I met online six months ago and we never have met face to face or um, it's amazing. It's my favorite, favorite week of the year. 
I from bet. a professional standpoint, I, yeah. I bet things are a little crazy the week before and things are a little calm the week after. <laughs> yes, yes. Things are things are actually the week before isn't too bad. Like right now, we're in the thick of it. We're about six right. weeks out from the event and starting to say, oh my gosh, we're six weeks out from the event. <laughs> we have a lot to do. What are some of the tracks? You mentioned there's 14 different tracks every day. You mentioned there's, you know, storytelling has its own. Um, what are some of the other ones? Uh, demand generation, internal storytelling, um, of course now I'm blanking, sales enablement, uh, ROI and analytics, social media. So really you name it and that we have it covered in some capacity. How do you choose a track at that point? <laughs> it's really like hard. Hermione Granger with a little thing that makes me go back in time so I can attend a couple of those. You should at least make, you know, 13 garbage sessions and one that I really like. So I don't Well, feel that's the hard it. thing is that someone, you know, we, every year when someone's building their agenda, they say, how could you put this person at the same time as this person? Like, well, we didn't have any choice. Um, we do have video. We do offer post-show video. Oh, okay. If people want to buy that so to get the breakout sessions. That's okay. But, um, but with 250 speakers, it's hard not to, we do our best. Yeah. We do our best to make sure that, um, but I mean, all of our speakers are good. So it's not like we're putting up the big names against the big names. There really is, there might be a really big name at the same time as the session that's just incredible by someone that, by someone that no one ever, has ever heard of before. But right. they will after the session, you know. Right. So we have some speakers from some really cool brands this year that I'm, I, I never get a chance to sit through the sessions. That I just kind of wait for the video to come out oh, after the event yeah. so I can watch. As long as you get it somehow. <laughs> right, right. But it's nice because, you know, over the course of 12 months, you know, at least from my role, what I'm doing month to month, week to week does vary a little bit. Mm -hmm. So if I'm, you know, knee deep doing something, I can say, oh, I'm going to go back and watch that session because I think that'll help me. So having that video is, is, is a really nice Absolutely. bonus. Yeah. I get a little... Um... Uh, I don't know what the term would be a little unsettled at events. So sometimes I'll sit in the back and be like, Oh my gosh, is this the right one? Like they give them like 30 seconds. And if I'm like, I gotta go check the other one out and sit in the back, right. bounce around a little bit, but uh, it usually settle on one. Um, that way I can maximize the use of it. But that's, that's cool that there's a video. So at least you don't, you don't feel too bad about right. missing and out. We do tell the attendees if they're sitting in a session and on paper, it seemed like the perfect session, but they realize 10 minutes in like, Oh, this is not what I expected or, I know this already and I shoot, I really wanted to be in another one also at the same time, get up and leave. The speakers understand, um, it may cause a second of disruption, but we want their attendees to leave, leave happy that, that, with the selections that they made. Yeah, yeah, instead of sitting there on your phone, not, not right. watching me right. do my amazing show, go ahead and make room <laughs> for someone who wants to applaud. Yes. Oh exactly. yeah, totally, it, it's great. I, I mean, I, I've seen that like the unconference where you just vote with your feet, but it's just, get the information to the people that want it in the right place and time mm -hmm. sense. So that is exciting. Uh, you know, one of the things we talked about you know, earlier before we, uh, we got on here today was uh, how advertising and content actually can play nice together, mm -hmm. um, which I think is counter to a lot of that thoughts out there. So maybe that's even another myth that we're smashing here. Could you tell me about your, your thought? How, how do you use them in conjunction? You know, even in the context of like the, the conference coming up and, that sure. Well, actually, my background in advertising, I worked for two agencies before Boom. There it is. Before uh, I started with CMI. I had a couple other things in between there as well. But I was in media planning, so I was used to spending 
millions of dollars in broadcast buys in four weeks, you know, or planning out a whole year of broadcast buys for major restaurant chains. And uh, now I'm doing kind of the complete opposite. It's not how many weeks we can be on TV. It's how much, how can we best use our money to reach that particular person? Um, But what, but there, what I do like about advertising and content bridging together is that we're learning so much about our um, customers through our advertising learning demographics, learning interests, learning what's resonating, where are the clicks coming, where are the conversions coming, and we can then take that and use that from when we're creating content. And conversely, we know who's digesting our content. We can go through Salesforce and do analysis, and that helps us with our paid buys. So it's just nice that we have both avenues to help each other. Right. Do you, do you also look at the advertising under the same lens of driving subscribers or driving event attendees? We do because we've kind of hit that point where we need to grow our base. We need to grow our customer base because people that know about CMI know about it. They know about the event and we're bugging them over and over again, but right. we, know that we know there's a bigger audience out there as content marketing is becoming more mainstream at agencies and things like that. We want to make sure that they know all that they have to offer, whether they come to the, the event the first year or whether they listen to webinars or just read blog posts. You know, we want to, we need to increase our customer base, our, we, need, we need to reach masses, well-targeted masses, but we need to make right. sure that we're reaching out and growing as well. That makes sense. You know, it really does seem like, as I even write it down in my notes here, the, the ad drives to content. It's two pieces of the puzzle. You can create that content, but if no one views it, then what was the point of creating it? And yes, there's SEO, but yeah. to your point, you want to expand the base larger than whatever Google wants to shell out at the moment. So. Right being deliberate and to your point targeted. So you're not just willy nilly throwing it out there. Um, you know, some, you know, 24 year old gardener in Ocala probably doesn't want to learn about content, but maybe they do, maybe but they do. perhaps you get a little more targeted and, right. and it can work really well then. I, I sure. guess driving up your, your subscribers. Very cool. Well, tell me about who you are. Where did you come from? How did you become <laughs> the marketing leader at the leader in content how does that take us back to like little kathy back in the day did you always know you're going to be an ad media buyer and the content czar (laughs) that's funny um no i didn't so i've told the story a few times but when i was in high school trying to figure out what i wanted to do for school and you know my two biggest strengths at the time and i guess now are art and math and those two things usually don't go together, you know, okay. right brain, left brain. So my English teacher said, go to the library, go take one of those personality tests and figure out, see what comes out. And marketing came out. So being a rule follower, wow. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I went to OU, majored in journalism, worked for a few ad, ad agencies, and then started my own thing in 99. And then I started working with CMI in 2012. And I actually met Joe through social media. It wait, uh, uh, Joe, which Joe? Joe Polizzi. Oh yeah, okay. Um, so all this happened because you took a test. I guess. What was I mean, the test I, was like, I don't even know. It was just some. I, she was like, "Go." My English teacher was like, "Go to the library. Go take one of those tests. Plug in what you're good at and what you like to do, and see what comes out." And yeah. it wasn't like a Myers Briggs or anything, but it was, you know, one of those. I don't know. It was like the '80s. I don't remember. Was it a Zoltar machine? I know, kind of. You're going to be good at this. You need to go Here back you go. and find that machine. Right. Put a quarter in. 
So that's really cool. So you took a little test. What do you think it was about that test that, that got you to the point where it was like, what do you recall anything you were telling it or any, any ideas of how did it tell you marketing and have it be so spot on? I have no idea, but I, you know, I have taken, I worked with a life coach for a year that, um, which was an amazing experience. And I've talked to some people throughout my career and a lot of the, what I like to do points back to helping people. And it sounds like really, I don't know, but you know, helping people from a marketing standpoint, I worked for a nonprofit for a couple of years, helping them with their marketing, helping our attendees at our event. Like that's really what makes me happy. Right. Um, and there is a lot of, I see, get a lot of value in what I'm doing from a marketing standpoint, knowing that I'm giving people the right content I'm marketing to them the right way. I'm not pushing sales in their face all the time. Sometimes we have to, but um, I guess that's something I really enjoy doing. Yeah. And I've tried, I've tried to make, you know, when I first started in advertising, you know, I kind of had that moment when I was 20 something and said, oh my gosh, if my job goes away, mankind will not be affected in the slightest bit. Oh, so yeah. what can I do to take my strengths and how can I go out there and help other people with it? So, right. um, and CMI has been awesome in, in that, you know, we have the, their family values, their company values have been so aligned with mine. Um, and they've taught me a lot of things on what I could you be know doing. What they are? Like, is there a couple of them or is there a, it's just, they value the people, the people on the team and their families more than the company, which makes us all want to work so much harder for them. Wow. You know, so it's, it's been pretty amazing to work with them. You know, one of my, one of my favorite stories is I started with CMI in October and the following summer, I went on vacation with my family down to the Outer Banks and woke up the first morning. And I, you know, for a long time I had my own business. So I was always on, always checking my media, check, checking social media, checking my email. Yeah. And so the following June, I'm in the Outer Banks. I woke up the first morning, checked my email and then logged off for the day. And I was fine. Second morning, I woke up, checked my email and I couldn't get in. So I email our, or I text our VP of ops and say, I can't, I just want to check this really quick. I can't get in. And she said, no, I saw you logged in. I changed your email password. So you can't <laughs> log in. So I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, I thought maybe I lost my job. And she said, you coming right. back to, you coming back to work tired is of no use to me. I need you to <laughs> go rest up. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is totally a company that I want to work for because they value me. They value my time. Um, they value my health, you know, and that's kind of how they've run the company. Wow. So that's been, and being a mom and, you know, and a wife, it's been a great way. It's been a blessing for my family. Right. Cause they're not, they're not burning you out. Cause then you'd have nothing else left to give at that point. Right. right. Um, which happens a lot for sure. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. And by the way, I was going to go back to the, um, and this all kind of fits together. It's your values. And then, then, they align with the company's values. So you said you were working with like a life coach. Was that um, helping them do marketing or just like helping them sort of figure out what drove you? No, they were helping me. So yeah. I, went to, I went to, I was in the restaurant industry for a long time doing okay. marketing for a lot of national brands. And I went to this event and one of the offerings from one of the sponsors was write an essay on if you'd like a life coach and why you think it would benefit you at this point of your career. Oh, cool. So I did. And, and I got it. So I had 12 months of this free life coach Wow! who talked to me an hour a month, got me through some, just some stuff that I really didn't even know that I wanted to address and talk to someone about. And right. um, it was amazing. And then actually after the 12 months, I'm like, I'm not done with you yet. Right. Um, but it really wasn't in the bu budget for me to keep going. But so she said, I'll make a deal with you. 
you give me an hour of marketing help so I can grow my business and I'll give you an hour of, of life coaching help. And we did that for about six more months. And then we both kind of needed to, to stop um, just because of life, no other reason. Oh, and totally. yeah. it was just so cool that she spent time with me. And, you know, it's so many of the things I do, you know, I'll kind of stop in my day and say, um, Nan taught me this. Or, you know, what the impact that she's had on me is, it was quite remarkable. You know, coaches are so important. I think, you know, professionally speaking, whether it's a professional coach, the life coach thing, I think it gets kind of a bad rap. Um, But just having someone to talk things out with and also challenge you a little bit and make you think about why am I doing this? Or am I saying something crazy? And they're not related to you. So they can just tell you how it is. Well, one thing that she, that she taught me is, you know, I took, there's a test called an Enneagram test. I've done that. Yeah. So I did it with her and she's, you know, and I'm a number two and two is the helper. So, which, which made no, was, was no surprise to me. You know, that was what I found value in. That's what made me happy. And she made me see how, how much that was actually hurting me, that I would rather help someone and completely stress myself out versus just learning how to say no when it made sense to say no. So it was really eye opening, you know, and she said, that's great. And that's admirable and all that, but are you doing it for the right reasons? Are you doing it because you have guilt? Are you doing it because you want to pat yourself on the back? I mean, and I would say no, no to both of those, but sure. I'm sure every now and then some of that creeps in a little bit. And she kind of taught me both from a job perspective and from a personal perspective, take a step, take a breath before you commit to stuff and make sure you're doing it for the right reasons and and that it makes you happy. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's in doing those things ahead of time rather than finding it out, just a little bit of preparation ahead of time can, can save you from making the wrong decision or encourage you to actually make that right decision. Right. That's cool. I, I, I don't remember my Enneagram number, but I remember that what I liked about that particular um, personality test, if you'd call it that was that it, it showed me a range of here's what you normally are. And when you're stressed out, here's where you tend to go. <laughs> right. You know, which was like the next door neighbor personality to that one. Um, and that it's interesting to see. And I think it's, it's, it's good to point out that, you know, we're changing people as we grow. Oh my gosh. I'm not the same person I was when I graduated from college. And, and even though I'm in the same career, you know, kind of, I'm, I'm completely different. In fact, I can go back. <laughs> No. Let's go party. <laughs> uh, mom, um, I, where's breakfast? <laughs> right, right. Oh, man. Uh, okay, well, very cool. You know, I think about helping people. You, 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 when you hit, you hit a chord, you, you mentioned that to me, um, and the idea of does my job have, have an impact? You know, like if I stop doing this tomorrow, does the world care? Does anyone, does it even matter? Right. Right. And um, you know, one of the things that, that we've shifted over here at Cheshire Impact was, was, a, was like a why, like a purpose, a company mission. And, and ours is to help make marketers heroes. And, and what I realized along the way is that, you know, do we care about that random company that sells sprockets? Nah. I mean, caring is one of our core values, but it's really hard to care about sprockets, right? You know, we're like, right. hey, they sold more sprockets today, but it's much easier to care about like, like, June or Peter at that company who is the marketing person trying to trying to get do their thing maybe you know get a raise so they can pay for that pool or whatever right so it's really easy to care about them and want to see them succeed so I right. think um, we can't all necessarily be in the Peace Corps but at least we can help out the people around us that we care mm-hmm. about yeah, one of the things I enjoy doing a lot is 
sitting down with attendees prior to the event and saying, all right, what, what are your goals for the next six to 12 months? Oh, wow. Let's look at the agenda and let's build an agenda that I think would be best suited for you. But then, you know, obviously go in and tweak it if you need, need to tweak it. And I think I spent probably 10 to 12 hours last year sitting down with attendees, helping them build out their schedule. And, you know, the director of UBM Tech, you know, who owns CMI was kind of like, what are you doing? I'm like, but they're so happy and they had such a good experience. And he was like, you're right. So that helping, you know, that, that's, I just need to find like just little pockets. I don't need to be helping people 24 hours a day, but as long as I have that in my, in my week somehow that I just, I know I did one thing to help somebody, you know, that just is really all I need. You know, I still know I still have budget goals to reach and I still have revenue goals to reach for the event and things like that. But um, I mean, we are running a business. So I need to be smart about that. Sure. But I just need to find that, just find that fix, you know, that little piece, yeah. little piece of happiness in my week. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like things aren't happy in my week. That's not, that came out wrong. No, but you know, no. I mean, the, helping people is, is a great thing to get addicted to, you know, that's, that's the good, that's a good thing. And the good news is always people around that need help. So they're always around. Um, but what a cool thing, because you don't normally think about an event. Sometimes events can be impersonal and they can be very corporate-y or just, you know, who even runs that? You're one of the, one of the wizards and magicians behind the scenes helping coordinate this and, and pull it off. Uh, but at the same time, here you are sitting down with attendees asking them what their goals are. I'm sure that's immensely helpful for them as well as better understanding for you to understand your buyer, understand the personas oh, you're encountering. And it helps me, you know, like you said, it helps me, you know, I can go back to editorial and say, I just talked to someone for 45 minutes and I never even thought of this. Every week thought about addressing this on the blog prior to the event or, you know, we've got, I've gotten a lot of people that are very interested in this person's session. Maybe they should write for the blog before the event, just so people can get to know them a little better or just things like that. And they're all kind of offshoots of, um, and there's really, you know, it's all anecdotal, but you know, we can look at the numbers afterwards and say, okay, that really was successful. Yeah. sometimes the things that don't scale can be the most powerful, you know, just you sitting down and chatting with someone. Right. Um, but it reminds me of like buyer persona interviews and just getting to know your customer and understanding who they are and what kind of, what are their concerns? And you know what? And more often than not, we were going through something. We said, we're going to see if we can do some, in, some interviews with some of our customers and say, why do you, why did you come to the event? Why didn't you come back to the event? Things like that. And we'll sit down with them and, you know, we'll send them a Starbucks gift card or something just as a thank you for their time. And a lot of times they'll, they're like, we just are happier listening. You know, we don't need, right. we don't need a gift. You know, the gift was that you called and said your opinion's valuable to us. Right. Being understood can be that much more valuable than a coffee. But right. being understood and a coffee can be right. now that's a, fantastic. That's a nice thing. Well, this is awesome. Where can people find you and connect with you and, um, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, things like that, and also talk about the conference where they should go for that as well? Um, well, I am C. McPhillips on Twitter. Okay. Um, I'm Kathy McPhillips on LinkedIn and CMI, CMI content is our Twitter handle and both content marketing Institute and content marketing world are on Facebook and content marketing Institute has a brand page on LinkedIn, a business page. And we also have a rocking group on LinkedIn, um, okay. that I love that Mo, who our community manager, she's so good about making sure that that group, if someone posts just a link to their own blog or something, it's deleted. Hmm. Everything in there is strictly conversations. So it is, yeah, it's great it because it's just called Content Marketing Institute and it's just a group. There's about 50,000 people in the group. And there are certainly obviously with 50,000 folks, 
you know, there are a few hundred that are really active, but yeah, is it noisy in there full of people having content conversations? It, we're getting there. Yeah. You know, it's at least they're good conversations. Right. I love that. It's just all about the dialogue as opposed to just link baiting everyone to the, your next article. And we kind of seem like police that we keep deleting articles and someone will message me on LinkedIn and say, you deleted my article. And I said, well, did you read the rules? And I know that rules sometimes are, you know, overbearing or silly, but it works. You know, we have plenty of other places we can share our content. That's not the, that's not the spot for it for us. Yeah. And understanding when to have a conversation and when to share some content. Right. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on here and, and sharing the behind the scenes with the event, as well as your marketing strategy and your take on content. Well, I'm so glad this worked out today. Yeah, no, this is fun. You know, our audio worked out, the internet <laughs> worked out, you know, no UFOs interrupted us. Um, it's fantastic. I just said, sorry for my completely boring background. We just painted in here and I haven't put up any pictures, but. Right. Uh, totally. So. Well, it's okay. You're <laughs> the picture. So there you go. I have my orange on. I wore this specifically. That's because. Yeah. That's our CMI brand. Everything, I own way too many orange clothes. I like it. You're on brand. I'm on brand too. I got my Cheshire Impact t-shirt on. Nice. Nice. It helps, uh, helps cut down on clothes selection in the morning when you know what you're going to wear every day. <laughs> exactly. So I learned a lot. And so for everyone listening, yeah. if you learned a lot, and I have like pages of notes here, people. Awesome. So um, share this with someone. Be that thought leader to get this to them. Share, share whether they do events or maybe they're interested in content. This thing's coming up. I think we're 50 days, 40 days, whenever you hear this. We're two days. Don't even worry. Don't even wait. We're zero days away. Go register. Check it out. Get on the email subscription list as well. I'm going to do that afterward. And if I can give one more little plug. Yeah, um, please. Go if, for it. If your listeners are interested, have them send me a message if they have any questions. Um, and if they just listen and say, oh my gosh, I need to be there. If they type in McPhillips, M-C-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S 100 in the promo code, they'll save $100. Oh, that's my, that's my discount code to share. See, the people that actually listen to the end of this just saved $100. <laughs> right. Everyone else, sorry, sorry. That's awesome. Well, thank you for doing that um, and for chatting with me today. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Well, for everyone else out there, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We'll catch you all next time. <laughs>